So, mate, good to talk to you again about uh, football, and this time talking about specifically Manchester United. We talked in the past when you were looking at the game a little bit on the outside for a while, but back at United, that must have been uh, quite a moment when you got the call to to go back to the club. Yeah, it was. It was uh, quite a surprise, really. I was uh, I was just back from Australia. I've been taking up a a role in Australia with the Central Coast Mariners and then I came back to do some coaching work locally and obviously things transpired during that coaching event which which gave me the opportunity to go back to Man United you know a telephone call would I be interested and it didn't take long to to make my mind up and it's been quite a quite a turnaround at the club there I mean people looking on the outside everyone has their theories as to why it's suddenly gone in a positive direction from the inside what, what well you always expect a, a reaction from from football players once somebody new comes in uh, Ollie and myself came along and, and probably applied a little bit of a breath of fresh air really you know we know the history of the club we know how things work there and we brought a smile back on people's faces and, and it was an instant response even in the even in the building, you know, in the training ground, in the complex, people were very appreciative that we'd, we'd return to, to do this, at the time, the caretaker role. Um, and it worked. You know, the players bought into certain ideas that Ollie, myself, Michael Carrick and, and uh, Kieran McKenna put in place quickly. And they went on from strength to strength. So it was, uh, it was a really good start, really good start. You mentioned all those names, and I noticed Ollie on his presentation, he used we a lot and talked about the coaching staff as a team, and we can see that from the stands, yeah. the way you work in the technical area and stuff. That's quite different, though, from, from how a lot of clubs work, isn't it? It seems. Yeah, well, we, we understand that uh, Manchester United is, is a, it's a family. You know, it, is, it is a group of people, a lot of people, but a group of people that are all pulling in one direction. And it's really important that... The focus is on, on the players, on the team, on, on certainly on results, but also the well-being of the of the football club. That, that's important, both at the training ground and at the stadium. And you know, it's been surprising, really, the reaction we've had from the point of view of being congratulated on certain things, which is you know the simple things, which is you've brought a bit of Man United back to Man United in the way we've approached games. And that. That sort of link with, with the way things are done at Manchester United, you obviously had that experience. Ollie did as a player, you you as a player and and as a coach. Is but the game has changed a lot in that in that time as well. You're yeah, dealing with a different is it a different generation of players as well? Well they're different. Players are different. The mentality is different and the way they um, go about their business is different now. You know, we're talking now about not just a team, but we're talking about brands now. Players are brands in their own right, you know, and the commercialism of, of a player now is, is as huge as what you see on the football field. So, yeah, there are differences, but at the end of the day, we're there to, to perform. We, we get paid to, to play and entertain, you know, we're in an entertainment business as well. But I think we've just asked the players to be pretty simple, you know, pass the ball to a red shirt, run forward, and there's a goal at one end of the pitch and try and score. So, you know, it's not as basic as that. No. But in reality, you know, it's pretty simple. You know, play and show your ability. You're a player at Manchester United for a reason. You know, and that's because you've got talent and you've got ability. We just want to make sure that they show that ability and uh, and, and really, you know, try to try to be entertaining, but also to be ruthless at times and to enjoy themselves.
Yeah, and you can see that enjoyment. You could see pretty early with the body language of the players. Yeah, well, if you can't enjoy playing at Manchester United, where can you enjoy? You know, it's a beautiful stadium. It's got a crowd. It's got international acclaim. You know, everything's there for a footballer to perform. And as long as we, we work hard, you know, we do the basics well, then all the skills that are on a football field should come to the fore. And that's when supporters appreciate it. There's been improvements all over the field that, that, we, that we can see. A couple of players... Have caught the eye. Luke Shaw recently looks, you know, his, his performances have have been quite yeah, well, impressive. Luke was, you know, Luke was heavily invested in as far as getting him to the football club. You know, a good left-sided player is is a valuable commodity. You know, there's not many of them. Now, Luke's, you know, form has been up and down in previous years. We've just tried to make sure that Luke's focus is on on doing more and doing better, and he's he's more than capable of doing mm. that, and he's showing some real quality. Uh, but we think that there's more to come from Luke. You know, he's young, he's energetic, he's got an attitude which is developing all the time as far as, you know, getting better and better. And we always feel as though, you know, the world's his oyster, in a way, for Luke, Luke Shaw. So we want to bring the best out of Luke. You know, he's, he's a huge player. Another player who there was never any doubt about his quality, Paul Pogba, but there was moments you know in the last year or two where it seemed like he he wasn't quite fitting in perhaps and yeah, so I think that happened to quite a few players where they they probably withdrew into themselves a little bit and uh, and were very cautious i think paul paul had a spell where you know all the eyes were on him and and you know delivery of his best wasn't there all the time you know consistency but now we're trying to apply ourselves you know to paul's game ollie's done a terrific job at at uh, helping Paul through certain spells, you know, and uh, and, and he's, he's embraced that. You know, he's maturing all mm. the time. He's not the finished deal, even though, you know, everybody looks at him, he's a World Cup winner already, but he's not the finished deal. There's still a lot more to come, and that's the, that's the exciting bit about Manchester United. There are players there that haven't achieved for Manchester United what they, they need to achieve, mm. you know, and we want to make sure that, they relish that experience. They really embrace the opportunity to uh, to win things at Manchester United. Young players coming through as well. Who's, who's caught your eye amongst the, the yeah, younger lads? One of the one of the beauties of going in there in this you know at this moment in time is we've introduced four, five, six young players into into Manchester United setup, which is which is what Manchester United is about. Uh, you know, there's. There's people, you know, like um, Greenwood and, and certainly Pereira, McTominay. These players are coming through. Chong, you know, there's, 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 there's players there, but they just need the exposure. And bit by bit, we've managed to, to give them a little bit of time on the field. And they haven't disappointed us. You know, they're involved in the training sessions. They're involved in, in all the aspects of what what is required to be a Manchester United footballer. They've come through the academy system. The academy system has been, you know, producing players for a number of years. You know, maybe not in the numbers that they, they have been doing, but there still are players there. So we need to give them that that guidance when they come into the first team and give them the games when, when necessary. And United fans love it when they've got players coming through from the youth team, don't they? It gives them a good yeah, feeling. Yeah, well, youth is a great thing you know youth gives you you know it gives you a lot of uh, special moments and sometimes it's raw and that's what's nice about football players can experiment a little bit when you're younger and and, and make mistakes and, and probably get away with it because they're young 
But over a period of time, they work harder and harder, and, and they get better. And by getting better, that means they you know they don't make as many mistakes, but they blossom in a good group of players. So, but we've got to find out what qualities they've got. You know, they're moving from youth into a man's game, and uh, you know it has its it has its issues along the way. I mean, in the, in the games, the winning streaks, the, the the good victories, the highlight must be that that night in Paris Saint Germain. The highlight so far, let's say, yeah, but yeah. Paris Saint Germain. I mean, what what was that like to be on the bench at that one? Well, that was a, an interesting one because the first leg was was you know a little bit disappointing from mm. the point of view of the result. Um, the performance wasn't at the highest standard that we expected, but we still maintained a, a level of efficiency in the game to, to, to come away with, you know, a 2-0. You know, it could have been more in a way. But we took we took heart from it in a way because we'd nothing to lose mm. over there in Paris. But what we did know was we needed to try and get that first goal. It didn't matter when it came in the game, it just if it came, it just adds to the stress levels of, of Paris Saint Germain. And they've been in that situation before. But what was really pleasing was the fact that we went into it as massive underdogs with the injuries we'd had. Uh, and we introduced the young players. You know, we'd four kids on the bench that day. Yeah. You know, which is a massive experience. But only Manchester United could do that. Mm. You know, and, and actually a, a couple of them, like McTominay and Pereira, were excellent in the game. So they grew in stature through that performance and, and that result. And, you know, the celebrations were were terrific. You know, it was it was it was great to see that you know Manchester United were back in the groove that they could compete and they could get results like that away from home. And historically, they've done it before. Now we have to move on, and and, and that's over and done with, and we move on into the into the next round. But there seemed to be a level of belief going into that game that you could do it. That was interesting because teams don't always have that, do they? Well, we made history actually on the night because no team's done done that. To, or even got that sort of result in Europe. So, mm. so that in itself was a was a moment that we felt if anybody can do it, it would be Manchester United. Um, but the players really embraced the the whole thing. You know, we going into a game, you know, under pressure, but with nothing to lose, and with the chance that some players can be you know heroes for a day, and that certainly proved the point. But it was a real good feeling after the game that the belief was there that. You know, Manchester United could still could still create these moments in football matches, and and we got the reaction from the fans, the supporters, from the media, which was great because it's gone down as a as a great moment in football. And quite quick to come into a club and then have a night that's going to be remembered for <laughs> for donkey's years. Isn't yeah, it? well, hopefully we can bottle it, you know, and then, and then let it out uh, when necessary. But it is, yeah, it is a quick rise to to achieve what we've done so far but our goals are far greater than than where we are right now yeah. so it's important that we we accept you know that we've done well but we could do better and i think manchester united that's always part of the the uh, the remit at manchester united is we can do better each and every game and the players are well aware of that you know, and we'll hit peaks and we'll hit troughs. Mm. I think we can we can safely say that that's that's part of football, but it's what we get back to and how we develop along the way. And I think through Ollie and and this new mindset, then then we can produce some some terrific performances. It's a new mindset, but it's also in some ways an old old mind. I mean, Sir Alex was in the dressing room apparently yes, in, in yeah. Paris. I mean, how much of of that influence is still there at the club? Do you think? 
Well, it's always there. It doesn't matter. You know, you can take it back even to Smart Busby's day, day. You know, Sir Alex carried that on, and then other people have tried to emulate that, and and they've, you know, in some ways they've fulfilled it, in other ways they've failed in it. But but that's not for the want of trying. I think what we've done is we've just embraced the culture that we know has been successful at Manchester United over a period of time. You know, Ollie's been a player. I've been a player. Uh, we understand winning and we understand what it means to lose. But what we've brought to it is this enjoyment and this freedom of expression that we feel is part of the DNA of Manchester United. Yes, we have to construct a, a winning mentality, a regular winning mentality and a, and a, and a, a training ground um, development process. But but we're more than capable of doing that. And, mm. uh, and, and everybody's got to embrace that right down to the to the people who, who work as staff right through to the players and if we get that you know there's no reason why we can't be successful and a, a two-leg game like that against Paris Saint-Germain I mean that was a perfect example of the difference when you're playing in a two-leg game as opposed to a regular league game wasn't it in terms of your preparation and so on and, and how you, you go the mindset of approaching a Champions League game is it, it must be different no? well the mindset is is that you have to look at it a bit more detail because you know you don't come across these teams too often. You know the Premier League sets, takes care of itself. Once you're in that groove, it's just it just flows. Mm. The the disturbance comes when you've got a big game in Europe, and by by talking about a disturbance, it just means that it alters the way you go about your planning, the way you go about your weekly your weekly work, and and also. The time that you have in between games makes things either rushed or more clinical or more detailed mm. than, than normal. You know, you don't have you quickly turning around from a Sunday game to a Tuesday game, uh, and it's in Europe, and you need to have done all that homework. And when do you get the messages across, and how do you get that across to the players? Is it on the training ground, or is it in the is it in the, uh, the you know the the uh, the room that you you do your team talks you know so you've got to you've got to do things a little bit quicker for the start because the turnaround is fast mm. but you've got to get buy-in from the players and the players get excited about a European night yeah um, and European nights at Old Trafford are great nights yeah you know yeah. there's something in the air there's something on the pitch I don't know what it is but there's a definite smell of Europe when it comes around and and I think it's it's just history, history of European football at, at Old Trafford is is a real defining factor. Do you think it's? I mean, you've played European football. You know, we'll talk in a while about about some of the games you've played in or, or coached in. But do you think over the last few years it's maybe not as different as it used to be? I mean, I'm thinking maybe in the nineties, if you played an Italian game, the tempo would be completely different. Whereas now they seem to play it to similar. Pace to Premier League games. Yeah, everybody talks about you know the differences in the leagues, the European leagues, you know, and who dominates what, and it does throw up roughly the same, the same teams in the European competitions. Mm. But what you do have found, or what I have found, is the development of those teams is increasing all the time. You know, and you know all the teams that are in this these last latter stages are a lot better prepared are a lot different than they were previously right. so there's a lot of changes going on there's a lot of mental changes physical changes players are you know a bit more mature or a lot younger so it brings a different dynamic to the competition each year um but 
you know, we talk about how strong is one league against the other. I don't think it really comes down to that. No. It's, it's all about the players and how they react to it and how they see the European competition. And they do see it differently to the domestic, domestic mm. leagues. So let's talk about Barcelona then, because that's a fixture that, you know, Manchester United, Barcelona, I mean, on, on any level, <laughs> on any level, that's two giant clubs against each other. A lot of memories as well from the past from that. Let's, let's start off with, as, as a player, uh, that Cup Winners' Cup final, 1991. Yeah, in Rotterdam, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a distant memory now. It's, but it's, it was a great, a great occasion, you know, to get there the preparation that went into that as a player and the excitement around the place and then just getting over to Rotterdam, you know, and preparing to play who were the favourites at the time, Barcelona, you know, they had Cruyff as manager, you know, they had players of international recognition, you know, we had a few as well, but but they seemed to have them in abundance from, from all over the world, really. Mm. Uh, but what I do remember about it was the actual support, the Man United support was massive, over there, he felt as though it was a home game for mm. us in, in one way, and it it became apparent not during the game because the the game itself is like a a blip really. It's it's more before and after that I remember. Yeah. And the final whistle when you've won it, and then you see that you know the Barcelona crowd disappear, and then three quarters of the ground is still there, and the Man United fans. So you realise the enormity of the achievement, mm. and then obviously you know it's party time, it's celebrations and. And what it meant to the players to have actually put another moment in history on the on the football club uh, to win that was terrific, and it was it was also a push towards better things. You know, it gave us a hunger to to know that we could compete again at that level, and and, and you know we we definitely moved into a different territory after that, where we we continually won things. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just looking at the at the team lineup for that game, and you look at the names. Bruce, Ballister, McLare, Robson, Hughes. Strong characters, though, weren't yeah. they? I mean, that, that seems to stand out about that yeah. team. I think at that moment in time, we had a great belief as a group of players, a real strong mentality, but a physicality as well about ourselves. You know, we could play, but we could run. We could we could mix it with the rest of them. You know, and when you're talking about Bruce and Pallister, terrific centre-backs, then you've got Sparky up top there with Brian Robson in behind it. Those types of th- players who are real gutsy players, but high levels of skill as well. And then, you know, there's others around that who back that up. And, and it was just an all-round team performance. But at that time, we were a good team. We were mm. developing as well into a better team. But we definitely had a real hunger for uh, for success. And then we look forward, 2008, um, tight, two-legged semi-final with Barcelona, a very good Barcelona side as well, won by a Paul Scholes goal in the second leg. Um, how do you remember that one? Yeah, that was that was a, an unusual tie from the point of view of how close it was for two teams that are pretty open and and very enthusiastic in the way they play. You know, it, it, it ended in a one-goal, either way, victory. So... Yeah, I remember a, a little bit about that. The goal was a, a great goal from the point of view of we scored it. <laughs> but it was a cracker as well, wasn't it? It was a great goal, yeah. But it was just a, the interesting part was it was pretty tactical to be nil-nil and then, you know, a one-nil. You expect a little bit more than more of 
an attitude to attack, attack and all that. But it, it didn't really pan out that way. But it was it was a terrific performance over two legs. And in you know, in them days, two legs, you've got to be in it to win it after the first leg, and certainly we were, which made it made it more enjoyable just to, to get it with one goal. And then the two finals as well, um ending up on the on the wrong side in them, but that you know, we're talking about there about a Barcelona team that Yeah, I think was really becoming time, that Yeah, they were the they were the, the probably the best team on the you know, in football at that time, you know, and they were led by an extremely good coach, a good up and coming coach at that time, who's who's gone on to do a lot, lot better since then. So yeah, we we came into that game as underdogs, you know, and um, and we probably performed for periods of time in in each game, but not for long enough. Uh, and it was disappointing to be on the receiving end of certainly in one of those games. We um, we were well beat, you know. I think we have to take, you know, take that on the chin and, and accept the fact that we weren't really in the in the mm. game at all. Uh, but you know, you try to be competitive, but when you come up against a team of that quality at that time, it's just a fact that you know you've got to try your best, and our best wasn't good enough. But you know, a team full of full of quality players. One player obviously stands out. I'm not going to tell you how you try and try and <laughs> stop him, but. Back in two thousand and nine, you know, it's it's ten years ago, but he was already. It's, it's an incredible career he's had to be at that level for so long. Yeah, the consistency Sean's been quite frightening, really, uh, and still going strong. You know, he's now more mature than he's ever been, and and he's still doing the things that he's really good at. So you know, to come across that player at the time, and he was part of a good group <coughs> of players. I think now it's a little bit different. He's more of a an individual player for for Barcelona the standout player, whereas before, 10 years ago, he was in with, you know, your Iniestas and your Zavis and, you know, these types of players who were exceptional, talented players. Um, and they just took football to a new level, a different dimension mm. in the way they went about their business. Extremely efficient, extremely clinical, and but they had a maestro at the heart of it, you know, and uh, when he turns up, he's, uh, he's good enough to, to win a game on his own. But it must be in the dressing room before a game like that. It must be uh, an excitement factor just at, what, for for players coming up against someone at that level. I mean, yeah, I think what well, you see, you know, you see as much as you can of players of this quality because you know they're they're everywhere. You know, they're they're on every media outlet going, mm. so you can cover that. But until you actually uh, see them in the flesh or you're competing against them, do you truly see their ability and what they actually bring to the game of football? And he's definitely in that, you know, that bracket. He's definitely up with the best of the best. So you know, we can we can try things and we can try and work out tactics to 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 be better against him. But really, brilliance is brilliance, and they find a way, you know. And we had a, we had players at that moment in time in the Giggses and the Ronaldos who certainly had that that quality. But Messi outshone probably everybody on over those couple of games. Uh, and he was the difference. He was simply the difference. Hmm. Final one. I've been looking at your Twitter feed, which a, f- a few <laughs> people have noticed. And aside from the banter and so on, there's quite a lot there you're putting up about, um, you know, leadership in business and so on. And I know it was something that you you took a look at when you had a had a bit more time to yourself to to look at that. What 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 were you learned? Yeah, from that? I had a time. I had a time of reflection when I left Manchester United after all those years, and I just felt as though 
I needed to sort of look back and 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 just examine the processes that were in place because you don't get the time when mm. you're actually in it. And I just felt as though there was a lot of qualities that I could take on board from people like Sir Alex and, and, and certainly David Gill and people like that, how they how they did their jobs. And it was really embracing that. And then when I came away from the game a little bit, I thought, well, I need to find out a little bit more. And I'm quite an open-minded sort of fella. And, and the more people you meet and the more people, the, the more areas of expertise you, you, you sort of venture into, you try and search for that common denominator or, or what does make it tick. And to be quite honest, you, you tend to find the simplicity in most things is the most effective, yeah. you know, because we're all looking for the secret ingredient. But when we really start to analyse and we start to talk to people, most people at the elite level or the top end do the simple things better. Right. Than most people, but they communicate better, and they actually hand over the reins to people to get on with the job. So you you bring people into your environment, you communicate well, you express your 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 thought process, and then you hand it over and and see what comes back. And I think that's a really important structure mm. to have. You know, we all want roles and responsibilities, and I think it's important that leadership allows you to give that to people to see whether they can blossom we talk about youth players young players you know we give them we give them the opportunity and they surprise you you know you don't want to constrict them because they're young mm. you want their energy you want their thought process you want the mistakes you want them to succeed but you know it's it's part of leadership and, and giving them ownership as they go along and you've you've looked outside football when you've studied. Yeah, leadership. I've 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 looked. You know, I've looked into rugby. I've looked into other sports. Definitely, talked to different people about how they go about things. And you know, most most people in all sports will say it's down to hard work, mm. hard work, effort. Um, you know, doing a little bit more than the the usual or the normal. You know, and and you know when you get to the highest levels. People are a little bit abnormal in the way they see yeah. things and do things. You know, they don't they don't just tour the party line. They actually, you know, find a way or stray a little bit. And I think that's important to find to find the difference. It's how you manage that and how you uh, bring that together. Whether it's an individual sport or a team sport, you know, you've got to find a way to manage it um, and and how it appeals to people. And how you get your message across, I think, is important as well. So you learn, you learn those skills. I mean, I've done, you know, I've done lectures. I've done, I've, I've got out there and done sort of coaching. They call them master classes. Yeah. But it's more, and people sort of look at that and say, well, that's motivational. I'm not intending it to be motivational. It's just passing on your experiences to people who want to listen, but not for me to tell them how to do things. It's more of for them to find something that I've probably done or said or put on, and then use it for their benefit. I think mm. that's, it's a really interesting journey. That, and I, I, I like it. I like that idea of sharing. Mm. I like the idea of seeing people grow. I like the idea of the end product. Um, but then that's a short-lived term, and then you want to do it again. And it's very similar to me now being back at Manchester United. All those great moments I've had, I want those players to enjoy those moments for themselves, but I want to do it again. Mm. You know, and that's the drive. It's 
it's different this time round. Of course it is. It's further, you know, it's six years ago. Um, but it's not impossible. It's definitely not impossible. It's just, you know, finding a way through the minefield of football at the moment, but keeping it simple, keeping it as basic as you can, and then handing it over to the players to, to do it, you know, for themselves. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Mac.